0: that we can come together and worship a king who knows your name, he sees your face, he knows exactly what's going on inside of you right now. And he's welcoming you into his presence. He's welcoming you into his the throne room of grace. And that grace is very wide for you this morning. So I just um I'm glad that we get to come together and worship. It's so good to be together and lift up the name of the King, right? It's so good. I know that um, maybe there's some of you who haven't been to church yet and this is your first Sunday, and I'm telling you, you're in a safe place where the Spirit of God is moving and where He's already prepared the soil and prepared it for you today, this morning. So be, ex- be um, encouraged as we lift up the name of the Father, as we remind ourselves of His Word and of His goodness and of His love, right? He's so good to us.
1: A word you singing over me. You have been so so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so so. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. You won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Thank you, God. no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me.
0: loving us. God, when we were unlovable. Jesus, you are so worthy. You are worthy of our praise, God. You are worthy of our time and of our voices and of our hearts this morning, Jesus.
2: Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me. still stands, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, this is my confidence, you've never failed. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Your hands, this is my confidence. You never. Still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. You're still in your hands. Great is your day. My confidence, you never failed me yet. You never failed me yet. I never will forget. You've never failed me yet. Never will forget.
0: You're faithful, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are never ending, God, and that you're faithful from the beginning to the end. God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this morning, we stand in that confidence, God, that you are faithful to your word, that you're faithful to your promises. and we know that you are so faithful and that you love us so much that you're not leaving us the same god that you're creating new life in us every day god and that the refreshing touch of your spirit is new god it's fresh like fresh flowing water god there's nothing stagnant about your spirit and so this morning god as we recognize the sacrifice that you made and the blood That was shed on our behalf god while we were still your enemies you died for us jesus and we know that that's where our confidence is it's in you it's in your faith in us god that says i put my spirit in you and i'm going to be faithful to my word god so as we recognize the sacrifice that you made today god help us to be willing to be a sacrifice for you, God. That we would place ourselves in your hands and that no matter what we walk through, whatever we go through, God, that we're allowing you to have your way in us, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for always having a new thing for us, God. Jesus, you're so worthy.
2: In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground.
3: been some time just reflecting upon what that means for us is breaking new ground and new wine for us as we reflect on him and the sacrifice on the cross Jesus gave us we're going to open this time up for communion as you see on the sides we've got a couple tables there for uh, you to walk over and grab both the cup and the bread that are in the same stack there so I'm going to release you at this time to just go over to the sides of the walls there grab your cup, return to your seat, and we'll continue with communion.
2: In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine in the soil i now surrender you are breaking new ground so i yield to you and to your careful hands when i trust you i
3: seated Ephesians chapter 2 I'm reading from the passion translation and it says yet look at you now everything is new although you were once distant and far away from God now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus you've actually been united to Christ reconciling peace is Jesus he has made the Jew and non-Jew one in Christ by dying as our sacrifice he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our own union with Christ ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross the legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command triune presence has made peace between us by starting over forming one new race of humanity Jews and non-Jews fused together Jesus brings every cultural background and unites us together through the newness the refreshing it's all together we have the same need for peace in our life it doesn't matter where you've come from we need peace with God unity that Crosses all boundaries is Jesus you may be sitting next to someone here who has a totally different story than you do that's the miracle that's the body of Christ it brings us together amen we're in this together common unity communion of our need of Christ the need to say God you have rescued me and to remember that now we can't do this life on our own. We can't, no matter how much we ch- have tried, we can't pay for our sins. It's, it's Jesus. He did that on the cross. If you accept that what Jesus told the disciples, that this is my body, which is for you. This is my blood, a new, co- new covenant, a new agreement between God and man and you. If you accept that, you say, Lord, I'm, I want to be in unity with you. And I accept what you have done on the cross. Let's take this together with the bread first, symbolizing his body on the cross for you, what he's done for you. In the same way, you take the cup, realizing that sin is death, and we deserve it, but Jesus took that punishment for you. 100% of that. For you. Let's recognize his gift to us today by taking the juice. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping in place. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. We ask, God, that you'll go before us this week and help us to remember and to reflect of the gift of life that we have been given during this time. Thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us. In Jesus' name we send together. Amen. To um, just introduce Johanna with us today. Let's give Johanna a warm welcome as she comes forward.
4: All right. Do I have this? Should I use Good morning. How are we this morning? God is good. All the time. All the time. There you go. There you go. Good. Well, um, I am excited to be able to share to you this message that God has given um, to me this morning on my heart to give to you. And what a beautiful service. And it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit works and how, you know, we don't, I don't know what songs that the worship team picks. I don't know what Seth's going to say, what verses he's going to use for communion, but they all tie together, and um, it's kind of tying into the message today of just um, God chasing after us, God coming to find us, and we are all one in Christ, amen, amen. Well, um, I just kind of want to give a shout out to my parents, they're here, (laughs) Ray and Bev Weed, some of you may know them, but yeah. They're such good parents, they always come and support me when I when I get to preach, so thanks for coming, but yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to be, we are been going through the book of Acts, and so we are on Acts chapter 10, and we are going to be in a lot of scripture today, so I hope you brought your Bibles. If not, then get your phones and get your phone app or Bible app, right? If not, also we'll have it on the, the screen behind you, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 10, and so... How many know that we live in a world of distractions, right? Like easily distracted. Um, I think that I have now developed as an adult ADHD or ADD. I don't think I ever had that as a child, but now I do because there's so many things that can distract us. And everything is just blurting out in us. And so there's this thing that we have called attention grabbers. How many have ever heard of that? Now, if you're a teacher, you are very familiar with what an attention grabber is because kids are really distracted. And so there's these things that we do to get their kids' attention. So like a teacher will say a phrase and then a kid will repeat it. So I'm going to kind of give you an example. So like a teacher would say, chicka, chicka, and the students would say, there you go. Let's try that. Chicka, chicka. And then it gets all their attention. Or we could say, holy moly. You go. You guys are so good. The one we do in kids' church is "God is good." All the time. There you go. See, those are attention grabbers. And what we're going to talk about today is in Acts chapter 10. God used some attention grabbers to get some people's attention because they needed to get a little bit. Um, they were a little distracted, and God needed to kind of get their attention. So that's what we're going to do. All right, let's pray. Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word that is relevant to us today and that you speak to us through your word and that um, we are here to hear what you want to tell us. And I pray that our hearts would be open to hear that. Bless this message. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, amen. So we are in Acts chapter 10 and we it's a story. It's a story about two people and Cornelius and Peter. And it starts out talking about... Cornelius, and he is a powerful Gentile general, okay, and so let's look at verses 1 and 2 that explain who Cornelius is. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. So, a centurion a Centurion is a army general he was in charge of about a hundred men his responsibilities are kind of more like what a Modern army captain would be like today. They were the backbone of the Roman army. They were very well respected They were even-tempered. They were calm. They were logical they were smart and That kind of gives you an idea of who they are they remind me very much of my husband Nathan. That's how he is good leaders you know like they can stay calm in stressful situations so that kind of gives you an idea of what his job was like now the scripture here explains who he was in his personal life he was a devout man who feared God him and his whole household he gave generously to those in need he was very giving he gave to the poor and he prayed continually to God now if you notice here Cornelius is a Gentile he's not a Jew so the Jews referred to these Gentiles who revered God and served him as God-fearers. Did we say god That's right. Okay, god They were not full converts to Judaism, but they practiced the Judy, the faith of the Jews. They were attracted to their monotheistic faith. Monotheistic means they served one God. Now, the Roman Empire at this time was, a poly, I think it's polytheistic, I, they served many, many gods. Okay, and these god the, the way they served these gods, it was very immoral lifestyle. It was um, lots of prostitution, immorality, um, idol worship. It was just ugly. And so people like Cornelius, who was well-respected, wanted, they were attracted to the Jews' faith because they were, they had, they had ethics. They served one God. They were moral. They were kind. They were good. And so a lot of these Gentiles, worshiped the same God as the Jews but they weren't fully converted to Judaism so um, some historians estimate church historians estimate that, that at this time of in this time of history there were about 2 million Gentile God at this time in that area so that is a lot and they let me just tell you something though they didn't know who Jesus was they knew who God was but they didn't know who Jesus was And that's where this chapter is important because this is a very important chapter in history. It's a very important chapter in the Bible because this is where everything just explodes and changes for the Christian Church. So we know that. um, Okay, let me give you a little bit also background as to why the Jews did not um, really want. So some. Okay, so some of the. The Jews outside of Jerusalem would let these God-fearers come to church with them, come to the synagogue. Okay, they had a little bit more, they were a little bit more relaxed in their relationships with them. They would let them come to church, but they would only be able to sit in the back row. So, and they couldn't participate in all of the rituals, the, the, the sacrifices, they couldn't do all the things, but they let them come. Now, the ones inside Jerusalem, closer to where the, worst, the the sacrifices were made, they did not associate with the Gentiles at all. It was, they were considered unclean. They did not like to go around them. They could not eat with them, and they couldn't be around them. Now, this was never God's intention for this to be that way. Their customs that they had, but why they considered um, them unclean was due back to when God made a covenant with Moses, he he gave them strict dietary laws he gave them these ritual laws but it was always to set them apart to represent god and sometimes the jews took it a little too far and they made man-made rules and separated themselves from them so they were to be set apart but they were to set god um, they were to draw people to them so here we have cornelius and he is a he's one of these God fears, and he is attracted to God. He loves God. He has a concept of God because he's probably more than likely attended the synagogue, so he would hear about God, and he knew well what who he was. He may even have known that there was to be a Messiah because the Jews preached of a Messiah. They preached of a deliverer, so he probably even knew that there was one coming, but he didn't know Jesus yet. And he needed to know Jesus. And God wanted him to know Jesus. So God intervenes. And I love that. And my first point here is that God will reveal himself to those who seek him. Cornelius was seeking God. He was praying to him regularly, it says. He desired to know him, but nobody was telling him. He didn't know. The Jews were still like, "Mm, I'm not sure if you can know about, maybe even some of the Christian Jews were like, I don't even know if you can know about Jesus because you're still considered unclean. And that's not what God wanted. So he had to intervene. So God will reveal himself to those who seek him. He does not hide himself from us. He has and he always will pursue humanity. It's like the song we sing today. He chases after us. And all these stories that we've been reading about in Acts in these last few weeks, they are just the fulfillment of God's covenant promises that he made in the Old Testament to the patriarchs and to the Israelites. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, God would make covenants with the people and the nations that he chose to set apart. <coughs> Excuse me. These covenants were partnerships between God and human, and they were to work together. God blessed them so that they could be a blessing to others, to the nations around them. God's chosen people, the Israelites, were not to be like the nations around them. They were to be set apart. They were to be set holy. to be holy like Jesus, but it was to draw them to God. And we see God makes a covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament. In, in Genesis 17, 1 through 8, this is one of the most important covenants ever made between God and man and this was between God and Abraham this is where God decided to choose somebody from among his people that he was going to call out and he was going to bless him and he was going to use his descendants to save all of mankind and the reason I bring out Abraham because this is very very important because Abraham yes was the he was the beginning of the chosen people of of Israel but he was also All nations were to be blessed through him, not just Israel. It was for everyone. And in Genesis 17, 1 through 8, it says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. to be God to you and to your offspring after you and I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be your God. There's a lot of words there, but basically what God was saying is I am choosing you, Abraham, because of your faith, and I am going to bless you, and out of your descendants will come a savior, and this savior will draw all people back to me. All nations will be blessed. This is important to know because this is where this is what we need to learn in this chapter of Acts chapter 10 and why Cornelius and Peter are important because we it comes and it brings this together, it brings about this covenant that God made with Abraham and it shows that the gospel is for everyone, it was always meant for everyone, and this covenant that God established with Abraham was fulfilled through Jesus Christ, who was a d- direct descendant of Abraham. Now, salvation first came for the Jews, but it was meant for everyone. Romans 10, 11 through 13 says this, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call in him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so this is just a little bit of background information. I know it's a lot, but it's important that we know that as we come into reading this scripture. So here we have Cornelius, and um, he is seeking God, but it's not just enough for him to know God, right? He did good things. He was moral. He took care of the poor, but he was missing the most important thing, jesus because our relationship with god is centered around jesus and we can be we can be really good people and we can really love god but if we don't have jesus it's nothing it's all centered through jesus jesus is the only way to god so here god sees cornelius but nobody's telling him about jesus he needs somebody to tell him now god could have done it but he chooses us, and I love that. And he chooses Peter, and he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer Cornelius' cry. I'm going to answer his heart's cry to me because he's seeking after me. He wants to know me. I recognize that. He, he's responding to his call, but he's going to use somebody else to bring him to Jesus. And that's part of that covenant relationship, like what he established with Abraham. He uses us. We are in a relationship with God. He's always used us. It's always been a partnership in about bringing people to him. And so number two, God changes our attitudes towards others. Okay, so here we have Peter. We all know about Peter. He's the the lead disciple. Pretty much especially at this time he's considered the leader of the Christian church he's the head honcho the most important guy okay God chooses him to talk to and why him well because he was respected he was well known and he knew that if he could get to Peter he could get to everybody else and I want to point out too, like what I said before how he needs us he needs us to share the gospel in um, Romans 10, 14 through 17, it says this, How can, how then will they call on, in, on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of christ so faith comes by hearing through the word of christ we are the ones who proclaim the word of christ and so god chooses peter peter was well respected and others would follow his lead and god had to get his attention so he used an attention grabber okay and he used attention grabbers both in cornelius and in peter and what did he do he spoke to them through supernatural means while they were praying. Don't ever estimate that God will speak to you when you pray. So both men, God spoke to them while they were praying. So first of all, he spoke to Cornelius. Cornelius went to pray around 3 p.m. So these people, both Cornelius and Peter, they both followed very strict daily times of prayer. They would pray like the noon hour the three o'clock hour and they go a set aside time and pray to God so that's what they were doing this something they did every day disciplining themselves in prayer so Cornelius went around 3 p.m. to pray most of these people would pray outside they had flat rooftops and they would pray it's interesting to note that Cornelius is praying around 3 p.m. and some I was as I was doing research on this and through, through reading some commentaries Bible commentators pointed out that this is about the same time that the daily evening's rich sacrifices were being made at the temple. So as he's praying, he's hearing these sacrifices giving, being given to God. He's not allowed to participate in those sacrifices, but it's kind of neat because he's giving him, he's giving his own sacrifice of praise to God. You know, God has never been interested in the, the, the ritualistic outward parts of the sacrifice. He's interested in the heart sacrifices of our heart and he honored Cornelius's prayer he honored Cornelius's sacrifice of prayer as he was praying to him And during this prayer Cornelius sees a vision of an angel and that's what we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 10 um, in verse three it says one day at about three in the afternoon he had a vision. he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said Cornelius Cornelius stared at him in fear what is it Lord he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the four have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who had spoken to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything had happened and sent them to Joppa. So he sees this vision and he immediately sends them. What does that show you about Cornelius? He is so hungry. He's so hungry to know the truth. He is so ready to hear. And it's kind of like, you know, this angel could have told him, right? The angel could have just said, okay, let me tell you about Jesus. But no, like he's like, no, I want you to take some action. Because God is interested in the bigger picture here. He knew he needed to work with Peter too. There was a whole plan in this interaction, in this encounter And so he sent this man, and I love how Cornelius just obeyed. He obeyed. He didn't even question. He's just like, go, get this man. We need him. So now, here we go. We're going to talk about Peter. Here's Peter. It's the following day, and God knows he needs to work on Peter. Isn't God always continually working on us (laughs) all the time? I mean, Peter, he's it's been a process through him. If you watch his life, I mean, it's like step after step after step of growth and sanctification, and that's how it is for all of us. And so here's Peter, and he, God knows he needs to kind of set this, get it right in Peter because these men are about to come to him, so he's got to get Peter's heart right. He's got to change his attitude. He's got to help Peter to see that Peter needs to go to Cornelius. And so Peter is up on, he's doing his regular prayer time, and this is about noon. No, we're going to pick up on and uh, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure and clean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. I find it interesting that with Peter, everything has to happen in threes. It's like he just doesn't get it. I don't know. But anyway, so here it is. So he's had this chance. Let me kind of explain this because you're kind of thinking, okay, what? Like if you're not familiar with clean and unclean and the hoofed animals and all of that you're probably like "What was that all about Um, so here it is like Peter's hungry so I think it's kind of cool that God says well I'm going to choose to use this illustration using your hunger because you're hungry you'll get it so he chooses to use the food um, but here he is okay back in Leviticus chapter 11 God ordained ritual laws concerning clean and unclean foods to eat what to eat what not to eat with the Israelites while they were in the wilderness with Moses this is when he established his covenant with them their partnership God said I will bless you I will protect you I will take care of you I will do all these things but you need to do this and he set these standards for them a set of laws and rules to live by and they were one of them was these dietary laws now we're probably thinking, why that? well, there's a lot that goes into it. One could be he was testing their obedience. It was a test of, okay, how far are you going to go in honoring me? Okay, that could be one reason. too. he needed to keep them distinct from the nations around them. You have to understand a lot of these forbidden animals that they were not allowed to eat were objects of superstition and idolatry to the surrounding nations around them. So that is very important, like if they're not allowed to eat these four-footed animals because, you know, this nation over here considered that animal a way to get to their gods or something. So he had to separate them. He had to make sure that they were not practicing the same laws and the same customs of the nations around them. He also wanted to teach them how to make distinctions between what was holy and what was unholy because God is holy. And he called them to be holy he called them to be set apart it was always an issue of their heart though always an issue of their heart it wasn't about the outward it was about the inward the Jews took these laws and they wanted to honor God with them but it they took it a little too far and it became a work it became a a ritual it became something they did to earn God's favor versus something of the heart And then they took those and they cast judgment on everybody around them who didn't follow their same practices and a lot of The laws that they were following at that time weren't even laws that were God ordained They were ones they added themselves Added to it and so this is something that God was dealing with Peter saying don't call clean what I've come ca- what I've called what don't call unclean what I've called clean because Christ had come and made everything clean. Pastor Seth just read about that. We are all clean because of Christ. In Mark, 7, in Mark 7, chapter, in Mark 7, 14 through 23, we see Jesus kind of reestablishing this already in his life with his disciples. Um, he was talking to the crowd, and his disciples were with him. So you have to understand, Peter was with him when he said this. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them and after he had left the crowd and entered the house his disciples asked him about this parable are you so dull he asked that's kind of funny jesus kind of was like duh (laughs) don't you see that nothing enters a person from the outside can defile them for it doesn't go into their heart but into their stomach and then it comes out of the the body and it says Insane this jesus was declaring all foods good. He was all clean He was already declaring it back then and peter was there, but he still didn't quite get it So he went on he says what comes out of a person is what defiles them for it is from within out of a person's heart That evil thoughts come sexual immorality theft murder adultery greed malice deceit lewdness, envy slander arrogance and folly all these evils come from inside and defile a person so Peter knew this. He'd been taught it with Jesus, but he still needed his head whacked up, you know, basically. It was just kind of like, Peter, come on, you're not getting it. So God gave him this vision. God got his attention. He gave him an attention grabber and said, you need to get this, right? So as he's saying this, Peter's still contemplating this. Like he comes out of the trance and he's still like, What was that all about? Like, he's still trying to process it. Like, he's still not getting it. That what Jesus came to do was to make all people clean, not just the Jews. It was for everyone. And he's still contemplating it when, and we'll pick up in verse 17, it says, When Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and he stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So go get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. I love this part. And he had called together his relatives and close friends. He was waiting, and he called people in. He was so anticipating. He was so ready. He was so waiting to hear the news, and he brought people with him. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and say, "Stand up! I am only a man myself." While talking with him, Peter went inside and found this large gathering of people. Now you have to understand, this is so out of Peter's comfort zone. Like he is just doing this step by step by faith, based on what God told him, based on this vision. But this was out of his comfort zone. He was in what he was taught his whole life. He should not be. He was associating in a home with unclean people. This is huge. I, I'm trying to get you to understand this. Try to think in your mind someplace that you know you've been told your whole life not to go. Like for my mom, it would probably have been a bowling alley, right? She's going into a bowling alley, right, to be with people. Like, that's like what he's doing. nowadays it's not a bully now but something but like he's in a place and he's probably like oh my goodness and then there's all these people and he's just trusting in the holy spirit he's trusting in the lord and and all these people though they're just so waiting they're like can you just imagine all these people like you have got the good news and we want to hear it and here peter's like okay you know and so he he asks who they are and he's like why have you sent me um i'm gonna kind of go through this but basically Cornelius says I was praying in my house three days ago this man in shining clothes stood before me and said Cornelius God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor go and find Simon and bring him to you immediately and then all of a sudden it's like the light bulb clicks on in Peter he's like I'm getting it now I get it I get what God was saying in my vision I get what God is doing here I get that this gospel that this good news that Jesus wasn't just for us it was for everyone it's for the Gentiles it's for these people who have been seeking for God some of them probably their whole life and now they get to be on in the in crowd right and and so he understands this Colossians 311 says here there is not Greek and jews circumcised and circumcised barbarian Scythian, free slave free but christ is all and in all christ came to bring all of us together and so what does peter do he does what he knows how to do best he preaches about jesus he gives him a mini sermon it's pretty mini like if you read it i'm it it just basically he's like let me tell you about jesus and what he is and who he is and he, he he's telling about jesus and his life it's very condensed compared to his first sermon back in the beginning on um, the day of pentecost but he just just talks jesus it's what he does he just tells them about jesus and he can't even finish his sermon because all of a sudden the holy spirit just goes and falls on him it's like the whole they were so ready it's like all they had to all jesus all peter had to do was say jesus <laughs> and then they were like we got him you know like they, they and the holy spirit fell and They started to speak in tongues. The manifestation of the spirit was so heavy, like the whole people there. And Peter's just like, whoa, like this is so cool. This Holy Spirit, this Jesus, it's for them. And it was such a neat, neat experience. I can't even imagine what Peter was thinking. He's probably thinking, oh, boy, how am I going to explain this to the other guys, (laughs) right? Which you'll find out next week. But anyway, yeah, it's. It's so cool. I and the, like. Let me tell you the importance of this story. Why it's so cool? Because most of you here are Gentiles, <laughs> you know. And we. This is where it's like we become a part of this plan. And and this, this is where like from here on the gospel just exploded, because here we see that God fell on the Gentiles. God, Peter, the Jews, the elite were like, oh. This is for everyone. And here the church just expounded and grew and look at where it is today. You know, and I when I look at this verse, there's a few things I take out of it and I gotta hurry. I'm way over, sorry. But I just wanna I wanna say that there's a couple things that I wanna just really wrap up really quick. One, um it's to obedience. Both men had to be obedient. One had to do some action to receive Christ one had to do some action to tell somebody else about christ we have to be obedient to the spirit's leading if god is leading you to tell somebody about jesus don't be the judge of whether or not they should receive it all are here to hear the gospel and it's our job to tell them and some of us have like these preconceived prejudices within us and we have these places where we've been told don't go there or don't Minister to them or they are way beyond help. That's not what God is saying here. God is saying everyone Can hear the gospel the gospel is for Everyone and what else I see is that it's up to us to to tell people about Jesus Let's not save the back row for people Let's say come in and sit next to me and let me tell you about my friend Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do the work Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes they think, well, what am I going to say? Or what are they going to do? Or well, how am I going to answer this question? Just tell them Jesus. Jesus, let me tell you about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will say, okay, now let me do my work. And the Holy Spirit falls, and he transforms, and he renews, and, and then the rest is history. So my challenge to you today is pray, God, who do you want me to go to Who do I need to get, where do I need to go out of my comfort zone to bring somebody to you, to invite them to church? And the next thing is, is like maybe you're here and you felt like you were always just meant to be on the back row. Like maybe you feel like I wasn't, I'm not meant to be, Christ isn't for me, but he is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He will, he wants you he will chase after you. He will find you. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the answer. He is the savior of your soul. He has come to bring you life. He's come to bring you forgiveness. He's come to make us all one. All of us here, we're one. We're all one family in Christ Jesus. So let's just stand and pray. Lord, I I thank you for this message. I thank you Lord, that you are not a respecter of persons. I thank you that from the very beginning, Lord, you had a plan, a rescue plan to bring us to you, and it was meant for everyone, not just for a few, but for all. And so I pray for us today that our hearts would be challenged to go and to speak to that person who we're afraid to tell, because maybe they're different than us. Maybe they're Unclean in our eyes, but Lord help us to know that you've made them clean in Christ Jesus and Lord I also pray for those here who just need to know that you love them and they need to receive your love and they need to receive your son May they know that you love them So much that you came and you died for them And you you are there to restore your relationship with them. Thank you Jesus Thank you for your word. We praise you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.